This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. And every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is squirting and sex tips. Ooh, I'm very excited about this week for many reasons. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, why the sex trend grapefruiting will not go away, and why yoga might give you a better orgasm. Hmm. No way. Yeah. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. He is a sex coach who teaches hacks to help people learn new ways to play and overcome challenges in the bedroom. He works with couples and individuals, and some celebrities too. He uses what he calls a, quote, hands-on approach. His projects have been featured in GQ, Vice, The New York Times, Playboy, and Cosmopolitan. Please welcome Kenneth Play. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So, Kenneth, Angela and I always do a lot of research when we have guests. (laughs) And to do research (laughs) for you, we watched your three very hands-on sexy demonstrations on Pornhub. When we saw that you had video demonstrations, I was like, are these, how can these be on YouTube? And I was like, oh, they're not. They're not on YouTube. They're They're on Pornhub. Yes, which (laughs) makes sense. Uh, A lot of people out there would benefit from your demonstrations. We both said that as we watched it. We awkwardly watched it together in silence. Were you getting turned on when you were watching it? Well, we were also in bed together watching, (laughs) so it was just, it was, I feel closer to you now. Yeah, my air conditioning in my living room broke, so we were working on our rundown on my bed, in my bedroom, watching porn together. Watching Kenneth uh, make a girl squirt. Yeah. Uh, But Kenneth, you were a self-described horny, skinny kid wrecked by insecurity growing up. How did you go from that to the sex expert that you are today? Well, growing up um, being an Asian uh, immigrant, moving to the U.S. where Asian male sexuality is so underrepresented, I, you know, as most raging teenage boy, you always want girls to like you, but you don't necessarily know how. So I dive really deep into the uh, uh, into fitness. So where I became a personal trainer, I I trained personal trainer, and I ran a lot of different personal training program. So I thought getting super fit would get me laid, more people would like me, but it did not change the internal insecurity. Mm. So, But I learned a lot in the fitness industry on how to hack your body, how to help my client transform or changing your behavior. And also about self-esteem, because fitness has a lot to do with self-esteem as well. But I was so frustrated with my sex life. I go like, can I approach my sex life that way that I approach my fitness life? So Was I start- it that you were insecure like when you got to the bedroom or was it even like asking a girl out the whole nine yard i think because you always have like the typical penis stroke for asian men their cock is not big enough or uh they just not as desirable uh for they're not as desirable in in this country so um i thought you know you have to kind of like uh find your own self-esteem and what I learned is that getting fit actually didn't help that much. It's actually changing all my internal insecurity and learning how to connect with people, learning about sexual pleasure and arousal and sex positive culture that really changed my life. So, and here I am teaching it now. That's amazing. So after you did all this research into like sex positivity uh, and all that stuff and you built your confidence, how did you transition that into like a business? It's kind of crazy. I mean, uh, this I, I'm, I assume the show is not super PG-13, so no, good dive. Okay, you can say whatever curse words you want. <laughs> okay, got it. So a, a, a sex party changed my life. Oh, so yes. I started out with a sex party. Um, I went to uh, one specific sex party that I learned about sex positive culture. And how the hell do you get a sex education, right? If you think about it, in the fitness industry, when someone want to change their life, they want to feel better, there's tons of availability. Like you could hire a trainer, you could get a nutritionist. You could go to a yoga class, but in sex, you're kind of stuck with, you know, maybe reading a book or getting a blog, but not a lot of like uh, hands-on experience that people could get right. to like further their education. And I kind of stumbled upon learning about non-monogamy and people in the poly world into the Burning Man sex party culture. And I'm a burner. 
Yeah. <laughs> For the record. Yes. But you, you didn't go to burner sex parties. I didn't go to a burner sex party, but I did go to like a quote on like it was like a meditation kind of orgasmy class. Oh, that's fun. Like an orgasmic meditation class. I think it was yeah. just a meditation class, but I orgasmed <laughs> at the end. It was a really good yeah, yoga class. Good <laughs> so um watching other people have sex is Fascinating because it's evidence-based learning, just like in the fitness arena. When you see something that actually works in front of you, it's very different than the performance sex or you know, uh, or fantasy sex you see in porn. Because it's like watching Fast and the Furious learning how to drive when you watch porn. So when you start seeing people having authentic sex, because they're doing it for you know their Themselves, own sexual pleasure. Right. There's no editing. Yeah, and because I'm all about. Are you allowed to watch at a sex party? Because I'm. I've always wondered that. Like, if you go and you. You like you said, you're watching people have sex because they want to. Are you allowed to not gawk, but like, are you allowed to just stare and watch? Be like a voyeur. What are, are the rules? You're encouraged to voyeur is a way of participating because part of the thrill of a sex party is having people watch too, oh. or having other people play. And if you if a sex party is done right with the right sex positive culture, there's no pressure for you to do anything or participate in anything. Watching is one way to do it. You could you know jump in and exit out anytime. It's really well negotiated and probably some of the safer uh, places to negotiate uh, casual sex. So I can, think is... Can you masturbate while you're watching? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can masturbate. They're not going to like look over their shoulder and be like, what's that guy doing? I mean, they, there's some etiquette to it. Okay. So, I mean, if you are having sex and you walk up one feet next to my face and start <laughs> masturbating, I might check in and go like, is right. this okay? <laughs> Before you know. But if the other person's into it, as long as it's consensual, sure. like, That's go right. at it. That's Social cues, just like anything else. This yeah. is true. Uh, so how did you get your first client? You, so you go to the sex party and then... So I was obsessed, like watching all these people having amazing sex. And I, and besides just geeking out and learning everything that I could read on books and watch video, I found most of the information pretty terrible online, except the stuff that are for sex educators. And uh, porn didn't help much. So I start asking people at sex party how they do things, which is completely weird to people, but I just love learning. So I was doing that for maybe a good year, and I'm such a data science geek, so I got really good at things. Sweet. So did you ask them while they're doing the acts? Because they're like giving, they're like, can you explain exactly what you're doing with your fingers? Or was it once they had finished, you were like, hey, so I was watching. You had some interesting, great techniques. Can you give me like a, a walkthrough of what you did? Like how did you start asking people? Laura's Usually, a former journalist, if you can't tell. <laughs> Did you go with a tape recorder? <laughs> the logistics always interest me. I usually after the act, but sometimes if I'm really interested, I will will ask them if I could watch, and I watch intensively, like next to them, not intruding their space, because you kind of want to keep the arousal energy up, right? So if you're watching, you want to be add on to people's arousal, not take away. So I learn how to like mm. delicate dance and there's times that when people feel like I'm watching too much I just exit so so you know you, you have a reputation right if you're the creepy guy that always interrupts good <laughs> sex then no one will let you but I kind of learn how to add to the experience and I asked and be having an education background or teaching I learned how to ask the right question because most people could do it but they don't necessarily know how to teach it so I'm trying to break down their the different skill and technique and and the communication. So, so after gathering all those data, so I remember one topic I was fascinating about was squirting. And then they usually like one or two guys at the party that are like kind of mastered, probably similar <laughs> technique. And then they usually people, oh, I never had this experience. So they go to that that person or that guy. Oh, so you get very popular. And then I start asking all those guys. <laughs> so like, and I I've been and now it throws a lot of the party, but I've been to so many parties and I find all their sort of like master, right? Um, and then accumulated all the data and break down which one was the most dependable, which most effective, most pleasurable, the negotiations. So. so what was it? What was the most dependable? Well, um, for involuntary, so there's voluntary versus involuntary. So when it's involuntary, usually uh, manual sex using your hand um, on an up and down motion instead of in and out, Usually, oh. that's the trick. Mm. But um, you also need a little bit of coaching because, I mean, can I go into a slightly longer story about the sensation of 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 of, of what it feels like for uh, people who never squirted before? Yeah. So, first, when usually um, what uh, people tell me when they start having penetrative sex in the very beginning, 
and they have this like feeling that they, they gotta pee. It's like slightly uncomfortable, and as soon as you have that feeling in your early sexual experience, you kind of don't want to pee on your partner. Or you feel embarrassed, <laughs> so you kind of crunch down, and you go like, oh, I don't want to. And then you're not focusing on the pleasure anymore. So their their intuition is to to hold it right to tighten the pelvic to tighten floor. the pelvic floor. And then what you teach uh, your lover is that when you feel that sensation, I want you to do the opposite. I want you to relax and just bear down a little bit. And but is squirting peeing? Because this is controversial. And how do you know the difference? Because I'm always afraid I'm going to pee. But supposedly, like <laughs> yeah. maybe I could have been squirting this whole time. I but, could ask all that. But supposedly, the liquid that comes out is odorless, which is unlike. Pee. But it has like traces of pee in it, right? You're the well. Luckily, we have an expert. What I, I is let it? me. Yeah. So, being a science nerd myself, my business partner, Dr. Shana, we sift through all the available research on squirting and kind of break it down what it you know what it is. So there's two types of ejaculate. One comes out from your bladder and one comes out your uh, skis gland that is next to where pee comes out. But some women will, they say, will have a female prostate, some don't. So there will be a kind of like skin milk um, like uh, liquid that comes out as one kind. And then the, what you see in porn, a lot of uh, explosion of liquid is from your bladder. But what it what happens during uh, sexual simulation, just say you, you pee before, you're completely empty your bladder. You start having sex. The fluid builds up a lot quicker, but it's different than your typical urine. Mm. So it starts building up and it's more like this very, um, and has some glucose in it and, and watery fluid. But there's not enough uh, research that, you know, to really tell, but it's definitely different than your typical urine. So it's kind of pee, but not really. No, and to me, is whatever people find pleasurable. For some people, uh, their whole act of surrendering, letting go, and and experience their, their release is really pleasurable. And other uh, big question that I get asked the most is squirting an orgasm. Not usually, it depends. So some women would experience uh, what they experience as an orgasm, and some women are just a very different experience than an orgasm. Sometimes they happen together. Mm. So you could be coming and squirting at the same time. I didn't realize that you could squirt and not have an orgasm though. So you literally so does it it just it doesn't feel necessarily good. It's just kind of a neutral like pee pee feeling. Like No, it like, could feel amazing. It's really up to the individual. Different. Most people I mean some of the research and you could break down the data, but most people report it as a positive experience. Okay. Some people some people are squirter most like it's not really voluntary for them. They just it just kind of, you know, happens to them all the time. Some people could like intentionally do it like porn stars or they shoot porn stars without, like, are, they're gun. just like peeing out of their vagina then different uh the muscles similar but um how to relax those muscles or how to bear it down when you have that sensation but it's super pleasurable when you're when you're feeling that positive sensation like sexual arousal and sexual uh, uh, stimulation in your g-spot and then you just bear down and relax and have you could have an orgasm with it and it could feel amazing. So have you squirted, huh. Angela? I haven't. Never? I, I feel like maybe it's like an urban legend, but I feel like I've always heard like only some like they're unicorns, like like a small percent of the population can squirt. I don't even and it's think, a gift it, that I wasn't born with. Is it necessarily like a good thing? You, I mean, at least like your sheets, you don't have to like clean your sheets every <laughs> single time that you have sex. I guess there's pros and cons, this, this right? Hacks, you could get some puppy pads and oh, <laughs> the wee wee pads. But that would be just so not sexy. To be you just like, hear the crunching while you're <laughs> hooking up on a doggy wee wee pad. There's sexy uh, blankets from like Liberator there. Oh, no, like rubber rubber our, sheets? No, they feel silky, but they just waterproof. Oh, oh, awesome. But you still got to wash those when you're done. You got to wash something. Yeah. Uh, hopefully people wash their sheets sometime after sex. I so. mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> I wash my sheets once a week. I'm not too good about it, so maybe really? I shouldn't get too into squirting. Oh. <laughs> I don't love doing laundry, but we're gonna talk more about squirting. Yeah, we're gonna in the talk show. So I don't want to. I don't want to blow our wad. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so explain how you got your first client. So you're going to these sex parties. You basically have all this information. You're studying stuff, and then who's the first person that paid you money to teach them? And then I got popular and start to have people start to seek me out at sex party asking me how to do it or do it to me and then eventually uh from just geeking out and learning all the very uh various technique one of the sex party organizers say hey i want to start to have more sex education available not at the party time but at a separate time they asked me to teach and i taught fitness for so long so it was a very natural transition and then from then on like 
after it kind of turned into a whole career. And I also co-founded a sex positive intentional community in Brooklyn at the same time. So and then kind of life turned into this, you know, a full time job. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. I'm curious what your relationship with porn is like because it sounds like it gave you growing up like unrealistic expectations and it kind of contributed to your lack of confidence. So do you enjoy porn now or it, uh, it's just like dangerous to think of as like an educational tool or it's not an educational tool it's for arousal and, and, mm -hmm. and porn can be great right, right. And you could create ethical porn or it's sexual expression but if you treat uh, your every sexual experience like you, your expectation is set on porn then it's the whole the fast and furious thing right you can't really drive like that in real life the physics don't work like that not you know your, your uh, girlfriend might not prep that much for anal sex every time she have sex with you to do all right. those crazy, you know, like ass to mouth act, right? So <laughs> so um so in some way I think is one of the most effective sex hack in history on arousal. It could turn on a lot of people at the same time that if people are dependent to use porn as the only arousal technique, it could be problematic. So so it it, it has this positive side and, and right. negative side, yeah. It's important to also, I think you need both. You need the Kenneth plays in your life that give you like sex education mm -hmm. and then also the porn for just like... Yeah, that's my goal to make uh, sex ed as accessible as porn. So that's why I put some of their content on Pornhub because I want people to, where they consume the content, I want them to see it, yeah. It was helpful. I gotta say, more people should watch it. Like, because, um, well, I guess we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, about <laughs> the logistics of your videos. We're later. just so excited to talk about squirting. Yeah. Um, Kenneth, you've discussed that we live in a society where Asian men seem to be sexually invisible, you call it. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. But why do you think that is and how can we combat it? It started to change. There's more awareness now uh, for Asian male sexuality, but it's you know when I, back in the day when I was an immigrant, the the from where the, from Hong Kong. So I moved here when I was 11. I'm 30. I'm 35 now. Um, so the culture is very. It's kind of sh shocking because it's so underrepresented. You just didn't feel sexy if you're Asian male. It's not like you're sought after, right? And then you grew up with this belief that you get, like girls don't like you. And I am I'm so I am colorblind when it comes to sex. I like everybody under the sun. So I feel like if I'm not desirable, it affects your self esteem. And and you don't have a uh, male uh, sex symbol role model on in any media. So you believe that you are like you are dealt with like you know a lesser of a hand to to start off with. And then the whole uh, the myth about uh, your penis has to be a penis uh, to be a porn star. You have to have a porn star penis to be sexually worthy. So what really starts to change my whole life is actually getting a better sex education and learning how sex actually works, what's pleasurable for people, and what people think it should feel good for what's actually feel good to them. So we sometimes we follow that this sex should feel good. It doesn't really feel all that good for me, but I should like it happens a lot too. So finding authentic sex is based on, you know, legit sex science has been pretty amazing. What do people typically, what's the most common thing that people think feels good that you find? They're like, not nah, this isn't good. Lately, actually, a lot of, uh, a lot of my uh, fans and women complaining about, you know, there's a routine, right? Like, just say the more new sex positive men will, like, spend more time giving oral sex. So it goes into his routine. They were like make out and then they go down on her and and she's like let's just get yeah, some fun stuff the fun st and, and it's not that oral sex is you know not people don't like it but it yeah, becomes more yeah so for some people they love it and some people don't i think routines are dangerous in the sense that you follow a recipe rather than learning how to calibrate and learn uh to to find compatibility with a new lover so I love teaching a class called Wow, Your New Lover, like first time sex. If you're like hooking up for the first time, you go on your first date, how do you go through that first discovery process? So Yeah, because everyone's into different stuff. Mm -hmm. So who do you typically work with? Is it singles, couples? I know you work with some celebs. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> um, <laughs> privacy is extremely important to my <laughs> business. Um, I, I think everybody deals with you know, different issue at different time. I work with a lot of couples in their late 30s to late 40s. Lately, it's been a lot of um, uh, couples who kind of 
want to spice up their sex life, the, the, the typical one. But they just want to experience something new. And it's not just learning a new technique, like learn how to squirt, although that's popular on a sex act level, but finding arousal, like what is arousing for you. So find, helping couples find their authentic uh, turn on, like whatever turns them on. So it could be based on what they fantasize, to what type of uh, physical sensation they feel. And I do this um, like really fun, I think it's really fun, this uh, uh, the media call it pussy mapping, but pleasure mapping. So I'm showing usually the husband how to um, go through this uh, pleasure mapping process where I help them discover all types of sensation their body could experience. So it's sort of a tasting menu. So if you think of your your what you like to eat, right? You don't know if you like spicy or sweet or this texture and and, and temperature, but you know you have to be exposed to enough food to kind of find out what you like, you go to. So and some people only are able to experience just a small range of like sexual pleasure their body could experience. They haven't had the full spectrum. So I love this process of showing people what they could experience and then they could find out, you know, what flavor they like. Are you doing a hands-on teaching in front of the husband? What what's a typical session like? So it depends. I I uh, bring in a co-teacher demo model where I demo on my co-teacher so they could see live on how I do it. And then I still guide them like a uh, personal training session. I porn, I poke, like I help um, because of you know New York state law that I'm touching genital for money, equal prostitution. So even on the education side, it's a little bit limited of what I can do. Well, yeah, what are the laws? I, I didn't even think about that. I can't that. touch a genital and get paid. So I don't touch genital. And but you can the, touch your coach. I could touch my, yeah, the person who is my partner. Um, so it's different than getting paid by the client. But on my play lab that I teach in, 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 in my community, so it's broken down to three parts. So I start like a TED Talk-like lecture where I take my business partner's, uh, Jana's research and 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 go do the information, the intellectual understands it. Is it P? What's in it? You know, how many people could do it? Um, and after that, I do a live demo so people watch me do the technique that you saw on Pornhub live. And then they, you know, they see it, they get to ask questions. And I kind of, if no one ever seen my video, it's sort of very different than what you expect. Like sex education, play by play, like hands-on instruction. More like Martha Stewart, you know, teaching you how to cook. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds just like a cooking class I took once. Because there was like a camera on the person's hands. Yeah. So you could see you know, how to chop stuff. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, Same like thing. Gordon Ramsay on Master Class kind of. Yeah. Like that, that, you know, that type of uh, education. And then the, the, the fun part that I really like, the dirt part is the play lab. So a couple will practice live where I give them drills like... Uh, like an acro yoga class. So usually I have 15 couples who, who watch the demonstration and then practice on their partner. So it's not like a group orgy, but they still practice. And learning from their energy in the room was very important. So sometimes that's the first, first time people having sort of group sex. Not, they're not having sex, they're practicing, but in a sexual experience with a group of people. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I would be nervous, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I, the couples, that makes sense. I, I don't think I could like be learning and doing it in front of other people. Yeah. I'm, I'm solving that problem now because although I sell out in Brooklyn all the time, I only could ha have up to 15 uh, couples at a time because of space. And also I can't pay that many, uh, much attention to that many people. So it's caught up like a yoga instructor would come up and correct your position a little bit. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm putting a class online on the 22nd to do this online. So couples get to do it in their own bedroom. And oh, they watch cool. their, the demo live on their computer and then I run through the drills with them. So it's more comfortable in their own home. So when you work with an individual, um, are, do you also have your co-partner with you to like show the individual? Or is it really more when you're working with couples that you bring somebody? It depends. So sometimes it's no genital touching that you want to learn about bondage and spanking. And that is totally legit. Then one I, on just, one. One, I could do one-on-one, one-on-two. One on um, so it depends on what they want to learn. I teach a lot about kink as well because Fifty Shade Grey just kind of blew that blew market that, up. Blew yeah. it up. So how much does a session with you cost? It costs typically a thousand dollar and up, and I spend uh, three to four hours with them. And it sounds oh, that's crazy that's long. But it's your money's time. worth. That's a yeah, lot. Yeah. That seems like a reasonable amount for three to four hours. of. But it's a whole class and session because I have to do learn the whole mapping aspect of it and then tailor to what they individually need. Instead of just giving them recipe, you have to tailor to what they desire. So 
Right. Do they come like with their own toys or like do you recommend is there like a materials list to arrive with? You know, like when you're starting a new class in college, there's certain right. books like you textbooks. There's certain textbooks and a binder. Maybe you need a one of what are those apparatuses when, for geometry? I don't know. Anyway. That's why I'm I I make sure they bring that. Um <laughs> They usually could, they could bring their sex toy, what they're into, and I have this whole intake process where we really learn about what turns them on. I also, luckily, all my lovely sponsors sends me toy all the time, and some of them are shareable. I could put a condom over it. Oh. So people could do a lot of like tasting and testing, which is a lot of fun to learn about how your body works. So. That sounds great. Uh, all right, we're going to talk even more about sex tips and squirting later on in the episode. But are you guys ready to jump into what's in the news? Yeah. All right, Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? Well, keeping with our theme, um, I read a story about grapefruiting in Bustle. Now, really you, you say it like we all know what it is. I had never heard of this Which until I can't this believe. week. I know. I, I missed the viral video from 2014. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, let me give credit to the author of the article. It was Olivia Trufat Wong. She wrote um, about how it's not really news, but basically that uh, the, the movie Girls Trip uh, I guess references grapefruiting and just put it back into the zeitgeist. Um, Tiffany Haddish is in the movie, but kind of well. Starts, explain. We got to go back a little bit. So explain like what okay. grapefruiting is. So and grapefruiting, how it the, way, the way grapefruiting came into my life was the YouTube video from Auntie Angel. She, um, she, you, you take a grapefruit and you like cut the middle out. Right? Is that you take? You cut the middle out. You warm it up in a hot bowl of water and then you tell your man to close his eyes because she's like he's not going to let you do what you're about to do if he sees it coming so he closes his eyes and then you put the grapefruit on his penis and then you give him a blowjob with the grapefruit but the the grapefruit feels good it feels like a vagina I guess and it smells good and Kenneth told us before we recorded this episode that he has personally experienced grapefruiting unbeknownst to him so on one of my date night uh, with my two ex-girlfriend that I, uh, they surprised me with you know with a date night and they tie me up uh, you know my hands over my head on the bed and they were just laughing and giggling the whole time. Wait, and they I, you have multiple girlfriends? Yes. So two. That's the, we didn't even get time. into this in yeah, the interview tell you portion. More about, yeah. Um, so that the two girlfriend at that time want to surprise me with you know something fun. They told me to like lay down. They blindfolded me. They tie my hand above my head. And they were kind of giggling, laughing. I couldn't tell what they were doing, and I don't know what I was feeling. So, so, and then I'm why is this like warm and really wet? Because you know it's grapefruit, <laughs> and I start smelling the citrusy smell, but you know I can't move. It feels kind of good, and you cut the grapefruit about one and a half, two inches thick. So, so you still have a lot of room for like a regular blowjob. You just use it as like a sleeve. You can move right. up and down. So it does feel really good. I would be but, afraid of like the juice getting in the peepee hole. Does that not burn? Is no, it doesn't. It, 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 you're not. You're not moving the grapefruit all the okay. way and squeeze juice into the pee hole. I get very nervous about these things. First time pee hole ever used in your podcast. Uh, but it felt really good. But the scary part is that one part of you know that experience, they ripped the grapefruit and the grapefruit broke. So I'm like, did I break something? Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my and were, god. Were you blindfolded? Yeah. I was like, no. oh, what happened? And then you they show like, me and they start laughing. You thought you like broke a vagina. I broke a vagina. I don't know what I broke. It's like something just. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So were you able to like deduce that it was a fruit pretty early on, or were you like, what is this fake vagina? I couldn't tell it was a grapefruit till till the moment they like reveal laughing. I mean, I, I try to look, but it was really it wasn't that long. It was like a minute long off. Like, but what they, did you think it was? I couldn't tell. Like, you know, our sensitivity to our penis is not like our fingertip, so you know, you don't feel the same type of sensation. So it's really hard to tell, like, distinct what texture that you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So would you recommend grapefruiting? I think you should try it one time in your life. Yes. I like experimenting with sex. And right, if you're really right. into grapefruit. But the video was, the first video out was so funny because the sound. Yes. Yeah. Well, because yes. she had her mic. She had her like <laughs> love mic. So when she went to give like a blowjob to this like fake dildo, it was like. 
that's my alarm in the morning. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. That would be very scary. Somebody in the comments said it sounded like two mountain lions fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what this Accurate. anti-angel sounded like when she was giving a BJ. Yeah. So pretty much there's no news there. This is just an excuse to get you to talk about grapefruiting, and I'm so glad you delivered. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what are you reading about? Okay, well, I have been reading our favorite Cosmo. Sexy. This is an article by Hannah Smothers. She says, I went to a yoga class for better orgasms and honestly had a blast. So the author decided to attend a yoga class called O Yoga. The O, of course, stands for orgasms. And here's what she said. First, she was trying to figure out what to wear. To What do you wear? It's like a a yoga orgasm class, just normal yoga clothes, but she felt like a little a little weird about it. So here's what happens in the class. Somebody named Delaphine, Delaphine okay. taught the class and she listed five secrets to O yoga. Number one is bliss breathing, a way of breathing that you can feel in your throat. The second was secret squeezes, not really kegels, but like, you know, some kind of pelvic floor squeezing. Third was feather light touch, gently grazing your fingers over your body. The fourth was a pelvic tilt, like a tiny hip thrust. And the five was hip circles. So, which is just what it sounds like. So she, they did basically a lot of this. And sh- do you want, want to know what her takeaway was? Well, I want to know if it worked. Did All she right. orgasm? So she was kind of dumb. She like didn't really like test it out afterwards. She said, so did O-Yoga deliver on its promise to help build deeper orgasms? Truthfully, I haven't tested to see, and I don't know how I'd test anyway. You would test by giving yourself an orgasm and seeing if it's <laughs> deeper, but whatever. Um, but once I got over myself enough to get into the hip thrust and featherweight touches, it felt really good to be in a room doing synchronized hip thrusts with other women. There aren't very many women-exclusive spaces in the world where you can focus on and practice your sexuality away from men at its best, O-Yoga felt like a very silly moment at a sleepover. So she's not sure if it necessarily gave the orgasm. But I, on the other hand, can attest that I've had orgasms just after normal yoga. Were what you were doing, was that similar to what she described? I mean, yoga is very, I mean, I guess kind of. Like, yoga is very sensual. I think it was more that, like, my mind-body connection was just so strengthened that I'm just sitting in Shavasana in, like, a starfish pose and I've talked about this before. In the you podcast. have. And like, and all of a sudden like full body orgasm just from like laying, not touching myself, just like in the, I mean, you know, nobody knew what was happening. We're like in quiet Shavasana at the end you of class. You were like screaming. No, of course I was like a silent. Honestly, I prefer the silent orgasm. I try not to do the silent orgasm with partners because I like to give them feedback, right. you know, but for me, when I'm like have a silent orgasm, I feel it stronger because I can like actually like focus on the feeling more and I'm not like talking over it. I'm just so like focused on the feeling and just right. thinking about like all the feelings, all the feels. But but when I'm typically with like my husband, I, I try to give like feedback. So I'm like, oh, oh you right. know, or whatever. Making I'm making the noises. I've lived with roommates pretty much my entire adult life. So I'm familiar with the silent orgasm. Do you prefer the silent or do you prefer no, the loud I orgasm? I do not, but I don't have a choice. Oh, see, I prefer <laughs> it. What about you? Have you do you do yoga? Is that something you do you incorporate any of this into your teaching? I do yoga, but I think there are some of the exercises you describe as more from like a tantra tradition. So mm-hmm. mindfulness, uh, breathing exercise feeling um, your sexual energy and then move, movement, like rocking your hip, making little circles so you could cultivate your ability to focus on your sensation. Now, for some people who is like ADD with sex, they hard to, for them to focus on the sexual pleasure and sensation. So I do see this benefit to good sexual practices and just being mindful in general and not being distracted while you are having sensation in your body and learn how to build up the energy is usually... So do you know a lot about tantric sex? I am. Uh, I'm like fascinated by it. Like, is it true you can have a 45-minute orgasm? <laughs> the way that they describe orgasm is not the same as, you know, you masturbating, you know, with a vibrator, You're watching like 10 porn. You're like 10-second orgasm, yeah. So it's a very different experience because you are, you, it's not very, I mean, it could be genital focus, but it's building up all the sensation that kind of rushes to your entire body and it takes time and practice. So some people are more in tune to it. So you might... So on the sex science side, you might be genetically, you know, born with your ability to focus on that sensation. Your body respond better. For some people, it's very difficult. So on, on my side, uh, sexual uh, energy sex is difficult for me. I spend a lot of time practicing it and learn how to experience it 
but you know, other other skills comes more naturally for me. So it depends on the person. But the mindfulness part, just breathing and focusing on your sensation, is essential to, like you know, just having good sex. Cool. Very interesting. I feel like that combines all the things you love. It does. Yoga and sex. Yeah. Yoga and <laughs> orgasms. Yeah. Two of my favorite things. I'm surprised you haven't gotten into this. I know. I mean, I guess I like essentially have. I think like since I've been doing yoga for the last like 10 years, I have become like, yeah, like the mind-body connection strengthens. So just in general, you know. Yeah. I'm impressed at your control over your body. I mean, I don't. Your typi- connection with your body. I don't typically. It's not like I can control it. It's not like I could like go to a yoga class and then have an orgasm. This is, <laughs> like I said, it's happened like like a few times in all my yoga classes. And it's like not really voluntarily. I just like. I'm just like so relaxed and then I slowly feel it happening and I'm like, oh, this is happening. Am I going to choose to let it or not? And I'm like, oh, I guess like let, let's let it come. And then, <laughs> let it come. Yeah. Let's let it come. And then, yeah. It happens in the gym too where there, there's people reporting like doing certain tricep exercise or some, some other exercise that induce an orgasm. So people come in various ways. It's not with the body. Right. It's yeah. also like the endorphins, right? Or like the adrenaline. Like Maybe. That, like people say they have sex after the gym. think like your body's like connected in weird ways. Like, you know how there's those like stupid things that show like the feet and it's like this is your liver this is your kidney i mean like some people think that that's bullshit some people live and you know live by it but whether you believe it or not there are some times where like i'll scratch my like shoulder and like feel a ping in my lower back and like just like whenever like things like that happen that's just like an example of how the body is just like so connected in so many ways and like if your shoulder hurts Sometimes it's actually like your foot pulling on like your shoulder muscle. And like, so that makes sense of why maybe you could be doing a bicep and whatever, maybe like the ligament or the fascia, it's like connected to like your pelvic region. And I don't don't know. I'm not a scientist, but like this makes sense to me. Can't hurt to try. This all makes sense to me. There's disability sex. People who have no feeling downs under under their neck, they will learn how to have sex with their earlobe. They could turn that. They could orgasm wow. from touching really? the lobe. Yeah, it's fascinating wow. what your body can be able to train. I just think of Meet the Fockers when I think of earlobes. Have you guys seen <laughs> yes. that movie where she tries to like yeah. she tries to like jack off his earlobe? It I think works. It's like Robert De Niro's earlobe, and he's like, "What are you doing to me?" Uh, all right, guys, we are going to jump into the mailbox in just a bit. But first, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. We'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, RX Bar. RX Bar are these super delicious bars that are really good for you. It's a whole food protein bar that has just core ingredients that you need, like three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds. No BS. And guys, I hope you're using our codes because I've been using it. I keep ordering our X-Bar through their website because they put all these like special flavors that they have on there. So I recently got pumpkin spice flavor RX bars. Oh my God. I really, I'm still into the chocolatey ones. I like the chocolate sea salt because it's like a brownie. I have chocolate mint ones for Nick that he is obsessed with. They taste really good. And the thing that I love about them is I know that they're good for me and they have all different kinds of flavors. RX bars actually come in 11 delicious flavor varieties. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free. They have no sugar added and no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. That's what I like to hear because you know me. I've been on my like all-natural organic vibe thing going. So I know these RX bars are good for me. And we're hooking it up for 25% off your first order. All you got to do is go to rxbar.com slash single. Make sure you enter our promo code single at checkout to get that discount. So you just go to rxbar.com, enter the offer code single at checkout. You might also see these in your local grocery stores, but if you want to get the specific box that you love, check them out on their website and let us know what you think. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week for Kenneth to help us answer? Okay, first we have a question from our listener, Andy, and she has the perfect question for you, Kenneth. I'm so glad you're here to help her. Um, She writes, unfortunately, I've had a bit of a disturbing epiphany. Almost all of the guys I've had sex with just plain suck at it, no pun intended, and most of them don't actually do any sucking, if you know what I mean. We know what you mean, Andy. Um, granted almost every guy I've hooked up with is in their early twenties. I'm 22, but 
isn't it still common knowledge that a girl needs foreplay before anything is going in? And isn't it just common decency to try other ways to get a girl off after you yourself have finished, especially if you did so in under five minutes? (laughs) Um, I'm just wondering if I'm doing something wrong when choosing sex partners or if younger guys are just bad at sex. But then again, the 32-year-old that I dated for a bit wasn't anything to write home about in the bedroom either. I just feel like I've had very few good sexual experiences. And by good, I mean not as good as when I'm just going solo out of the whole bunch. Is that normal? Unfortunately, it's common. And I think both sides, men are robbed with good sex education because they're, they're egos and there's such a stigma in learning. So, and their clitoracy is so low that they, don't, they just don't get it and they don't understand. So they have sex like what they see in porn. Did you call it clitoracy? Clitor- yeah, clitoracy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Copyright that. That's amazing. Not my, I'm not there. Yeah. Um, so, and also, uh, my goal is to end premature penetration so it's not rather foreplay is to get it going but there's a time where penetration is optimal like when you're fully aroused and turn on and because the lower clitoracy side men don't know how to judge when their vulva is really and and vagina is fully aroused so is their clit you know engorged with blood is it fluffy and warm and you know so and why sex feel better for both partner when the vagina is happy and ready to uh, go and only one-fifth of women uh, prefer uh, penetrative sex alone. So usually we leave their exter- external stimulation, right? And many women masturbate just touching their clit externally. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest challenge is when, uh, m- when women learn to masturbate, right? They're just usually rubbing externally. They don't incorporate that movement into partner sex. So men learn how to like rub our own penises. So when we learn how to have sex, when we are thrusting... We have this idea of moving our body to make our penis feel good. But women are not taught to move their body in order to feel good. And moving their body usually means having some type of external stimulation. So I think my tip is actually take the pleasure into your own hand. Make sure you are you know, playing with your clit or having your partner play with your clit and not avoid, not um, ignore it to begin with. So even while you're having sex, she should just be like touching herself. Yeah, like don't be embarrassed to do that. I think some girls are sometimes like, oh, he's going to think like I'm nasty if I do that. But no, I think a guy would be turned on, right? It, 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 sh- the, a good one should be turned right, on because exactly. you understand how right sex works. And I know, it's it, like you're naked having sex and you're like, oh, but if I touch myself while he's He's going to think I'm enjoying myself. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> like it's so weird. But like that's gone through my head before. Yeah. I, I can say that. Like I'm like, oh, or maybe he's like I always sometimes like I've in past relationships I've worried like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like they're going to think that like what they did wasn't good enough. And I don't know, like why as a woman are you so worried about like hurting the guy's feelings instead of telling them what you want, you know? Yeah. And it's it's not good for anyone because the orgasm gap is so huge. So there's a whole like pleasure deficit for on the women's side and women are less likely to have more sex because ev- imagine every hookup experience like she described as mediocre at best then men are getting lay less because the sex is not very good. Because she's not going to want to have it. Yeah. More so, I, I, I think if we collectively all, you know, we're having this more mutually pleasurable sex where you focus on each other and, and getting better educated, then more people would have more pleasurable sex and they enjoy doing it more. Yeah. So in addition to just touching herself, if she wants to like tell her partner to like change up what he's doing, is there a way that you would recommend saying that? Without hurting his fragile I mean, male I ego. wouldn't even care about hurting his feelings. She's like, clearly no, you she and Andy care. I would be like, you suck. Well, then, but then if you tell him that, Angela, he's going to be like, he's I mean, he's not going to want to, that's not, a, it's going to like kind of ruin well, no, the moment. I wouldn't say it like that, but I just wouldn't be that worried about his feelings because he's clearly not worried about mine. Well, I don't know if that's true. You I know? disagree with you here. I think he, I don't think he's, these guys to me don't seem like they're being dicks. I don't think that they're purposefully trying but, to not please the woman i think what i get the sense is that they're just inexperienced they don't have a lot of like sexual knowledge and i think that they're not purposely trying to like please their woman i see this lack of communication on both sides she's not telling them what what she wants and in tune they're not asking her hey does this feel good what else can i be doing so like i kind of think both people are at fault here like it's not really necessarily completely the guy's faults for sucking like maybe all the women they were with like didn't tell them that they were what they were 
actually liked because a lot of women are scared. And and then they're also the guys are at fault because they're not asking. Like, but I do agree with Andy that I think that it's common knowledge or not common knowledge, but I would just think like most guys that I've been with are more aroused by like the other person getting off than them. Like they're not able to enjoy it if they feel like the other person's not enjoying it. So like I would agree with her that that is common. I don't understand why. I think it is rude that like whatever I forget which guy it was was like hooking up with her. He knew she didn't get off and then didn't try to like help her finish after he had finished. That's kind of a little rude. <laughs> yes. A little rude. Poor but then etiquette. I see, but then a lot of guys, they're like so tired afterwards. They're just like, they like fall asleep. That's why like it's well, typically good to like get the girl off first. I guess timing matters, you know, like when she's having sex with them. Like if it's like, if they've been drinking and they're out late. And- yeah. I So I teach this, you know, game called the pleasure loop. So it's to help people with sexual communication. So you could think of, you know, if you ask a friend to scratch your back, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know that spot that you're really trying to get. And we get very enthusiastic about telling your partner to find <laughs> that spot until you find like, oh my God, I feel so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So usually I teach that game, right? The same same system to uh, two couples and they could talk about uh, and give sexual feedback in a way that is sexy, that's a turn on. So, and that's usually a couple really good one, like directional, like a little bit higher, a little bit to the left. And and I do encourage men to to let women know that feedback is super sexy to me. So it's sort of a cultural shift, right? Instead of this male ego that I should know what I'm doing and whatever I'm doing to you should be pleasurable, it's more of learning how to um, uh, calibrate like what's pleasurable. And then talking about sex before you actually having sex is really useful. In the middle of it is quite challenging when you're like super aroused. So I encourage um, people. Uh, uh, negotiate like what's pleasurable for them or tell them what turns them on you know what's really funny is that like preferences is is such a range right some people love like gentle love making caressing light touches in their finger for some for some people that is a nightmare some people really like it like intense you know uh um um assertive and and more rough play right so if you do the if you only have one move Right, and you're trying to apply to every popul- the entire population. It doesn't work, so you kind of want to tailor. Just like if you go take someone out to eat, you usually ask them, "Do you, do you like you know sweet or versus spicy?" And you don't take every date to the spiciest Indian restaurant you could find. You know, so so a little bit of calibration in uh, in the beginning is super useful. But a man usually don't feel comfortable talking about sex is problem problematic too. Usually, is a good sign that it's not going to be very good. Yeah. Yeah. This is all very helpful. It is. For, I feel like for everyone. Every male should be listening to this episode. <laughs> uh, and woman. All right, Angela, what do we what else do we have? Okay, we have a question from Gabriella. Gabriella says, I am seventeen and I just found out my boyfriend of two years cheated on me. He is accustomed to being friends with his exes and I do not want that. How do I tell him to leave me alone without being rude? <laughs> <laughs> this one drives me nuts. <laughs> This one drives me I think being me honest and setting boundaries, healthy boundaries are important. That's not what I want and stop, you know. Right. I think avoiding being rude sometimes miss like good direct, good communication. So I think sometimes not feeling very comfortable saying no is healthier long term than trying to feel nice and then not setting a clear boundary then is, is tricky. This one drives me nuts because I'm like, why are you worried about being rude? This guy cheated on you and she's worried about tell- being rude to him by not wanting to be friends with this guy. I'm like, I, I like wrote her and I was like, you can be, I'm giving you a bitch free pass. Like <laughs> you can be a bitch. You can be rude. It is okay, girl, because you know what? He cheated on you. So you could be a bitch and say like, hey. I have no desire to be friends with you. Not only do I not like see a friendship and I don't really want to be friends with my exes, but also I, um, I'm friends with good people and you're not a good person. You're a person that cheats on women and doesn't have respect for them. Don't reward bad behavior. So don't reward bad lovers by faking orgasm because it mess up the whole thing, right? So you really want to let people know if they're, they're, they're messing up, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Uh, All right, if you guys want your listener questions answered or if you have any funny text messages from an app you want to share, you can email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's move in to our reason of the week. 
this week's reason is squirting and sex tips. Yes. The one thing I feel like my friends and I talk about a lot is how a clit is not exactly like a penis in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, like I remember the first time I ever gave a handjob or a blowjob, I was going really slow because like for women that feels good when you're like masturbating you go kind of slow you switch it up and I always have the guy like taking my hand and making me go faster because I wasn't doing fast enough like men just it feels different I guess yeah for like for girls like guys out there a clit is not just like a penis you don't just like I guess penis I don't know I don't have one but they like (laughs) to go like really really fast and that's it but like girls like to switch it up like sometimes going really slow is actually like the best thing you want because if you go too fast on a clit they're very sensitive and they can get numb right i mean and then once you get numb it's like really hard to come after that some people are really into like the the jackhammer or whatever but you know everyone's different yeah everyone's a snowflake exactly (laughs) but you have a video where you describe how in some ways the clit is kind of like a little penis and you can like jack it off, but like not like how we're talking about how guys do. It's different. Can you maybe explain that a little bit? So first, the, the clit, the one that is external popping out is only the very small percentage of the entire structure. So there's all the hidden ones in the inside. So if uh, fun fact is if you measure, you weight a penis and, and a clitoris, if you they're not very different in sizes, but just mostly is internal. So it, when it's fully engorged with blood, it's very different. But sensitivity, everybody's a little different. And you could uh, start by looking. Observation is important. You can see how much hood coverage that particular clitoris gets. So if it covers, usually if it's covered by a lot of hood, it's a little bit more sensitivity when you pull it all the way back. And uh, some clits are really exposed all the time. So their sensitivity is a little bit different. And obviously, their individual uh, person could tell you what they like and don't like. But I teach this fun game called the click clock game. So you're kind of going around the <laughs> clock face. Click a click Aww. clock game. So some sounds... wo- so some women are lefty, some women are righty. How they masturbate. So all they like touch the left side, or the right side, or directly on it. So I teach them how to play this game where they move around the clock. Mm. And then you could change the variance between the fiction versus pressure. So some people like the same spot and applying pressure and not move it like a massage. Some people like the fiction. So yeah. you have to you could go through this process of discovering what they like. And some people like it from like six o'clock and bottom of the clip all the way up to the <laughs> top. Some people like side to side. So usually ask your partner to masturbate in front of you too to see how they touch it. Usually give you a good sense of the rhythm that they like. This sounds like a very fun game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I know I never have like masturbated in front of somebody because you get like you're very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. I ask them to touch my hand. I make a fake vulva and then I ask them to touch it so they could give me the tactile experience. Oh, that's a good way to like slowly warm into it. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I have a question. So, you know, for a while, like I was, I always hated giving hand jobs. And I hear this from a lot of friends the entire time. Like a lot of girls were thinking, this guy can do this better than I can do it. Yeah. And he's stronger. He knows what he likes. Like, like why I'm doing something that he like can do better himself. Do you have any tips? And do you hear this frequently? Oh, hand jobs are so underrated, especially with my colleagues, like my my other sex educator who like does tantric massage and that type of practice. Move, having someone who could touch you better than you could touch yourself is totally possible. And to me, that's like a super lover. Like when someone could touch me, you're like, holy shit, I could, she, <laughs> you know, she could do it better than I do it. Then I'm mind blown. So um, also there's so much more uh, control with your hand than any other part of your body. So you could do a lot of magic with your hand. And also you could edge a lot better. Like we could play instrument with our hand. It's very hard to play an instrument with your tongue if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, so learning what, what feels good and you could apply the amount of pressure, speeds, there's so many variants, the angle you touch it, how much friction you're causing. Um, also rhythm, like you could, uh, so you could build up edging and bring it back down sensation. So there's so many techniques when it comes to using your hand. And it's a great way to connect too. Oh, all right. Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. I know. Can you do a similar thing how you said you, you, you do the fake vulva on your hand? Can like uh-huh. a guy be like, oh, I'll like, masturbate your thumb like this is how yes, I like to masturbate yes, totally because the amount of pressure is surprising I think not enough pressure most of the, we kind of squeeze our car quite hard oh yeah most of the time so it's the amount of squeezing we're actually teaching men who have 
problem um, orgasming from penetrative sex with women to lessen their death grip on their masturbation practices oh. because it's just not <laughs> because our vaginas vagina are not that tight. It's not, it's not a death grip, you know. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what are your like top sex tips that you think everybody should know? Improve your clitoris. So I love, I love, just I love learning the the clit. But if something feels good, and it's, and you can see your partner is really enjoying it, don't fucking change it. Don't mess it up. Just keep doing what's working. Because most men see like when when someone is responding and start feeling good, this is the time I should change my position or do something different. Or like this yeah. is the time I should go really fast. Yes. and it's like right. no, no, I just told you <laughs> yeah, that it doesn't like, work that way. The going slow was great. Yeah. So just keep doing whatever is working. And then don't even try to speed it up all that much. Just focus and connect with your partner. But whatever you discover is working, take notes and keep doing that. <laughs> I guess I see their logic. It's like supersizing. They're like, oh, you like this? I'm going to do it <laughs> even bigger and better. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't just, work that way. Yeah, stay on. Sometimes it's kind of hot that you are doing it, you know, when it starts to feel good and your partner goes, say, faster than you know there's a cue, you know. But encouraging to change their uh, culture of sexual communication that it's okay. We don't put so much ego into it. And a mutual pleasurable sexual experience is always great because then both both party comes away happy and satisfied. Uh, real quick before we move on, you have multiple girlfriends. We didn't get into this earlier. <laughs> so I just need to know, are they cool with you, with you doing your hands-on teaching? And- Do you currently have... Girlfriends, girlfriends. Many lovers, but one life partner. I, I've been in many different uh, non-monogamy relationships. So I've been in a triad where I'm dating two girls and the girl date each other too. I dated four separate girls at one time. And it's been about six, seven years now. Um, also, I also in the community, so a lot of people have non-monogamy relationships. So a lot of like romantic, sexual relationship. I actually, while most poly people want to date more than one person emotionally, um, um, I just I actually prefer to be less than one. So I really love when my girlfriend has another romantic partner that she really loves, because it gives me more time being busy, travel, and making sure her needs are taken care of. And in with my attention span, I feel like I'm a much better partner when I don't feel like I'm a hundred percent responsible for her emotional needs. So I, and, and sometimes I personally prefer to be like sharing, uh, having her have multiple romantic partner. I don't desire currently to have more than one romantic partner. I like fling, so I like falling in love because this is like the best drug in the world. Yes. Um, but it doesn't have to be a long-term romantic relationship. So, and ideally we, sh- we could broaden their, what is a successful relationship or a successful hookup or casual sex because we only feel like a, sexual relationship return into a long lifelong monogamy is the only way for someone to be successful then they feel they're failing all the time when I don't necessarily see those short-term relationship as a failing as well uh, is your is the person that you that you do you like perform with when you teach couples is yeah. that your life ta- no nope. she uh, she um, she's not in my world uh, um, she's you know she goes um, she's in my world, but not necessarily participating in my world. Um, in my business teaching, um, I have you know business partner, other co-teachers I teach with. Jealousy is not something that I deal that I deal with with her because the reason that we're together is that we celebrate each other's sexuality. I also co-run the Casual Sex Project where we study casual sex from around the world. So this is a very important topic to me to, for people to learn about you know, casual sex and hooking up and also celebrating people who desire, you know, whatever relationship that works for them, like monogamy or non-monogamy. So do you find that jealousy isn't a factor because it's it's purely physical outside of your relationship or does she not care if you like, like, do you feel like you can be in love with more than one person? Yes. And I think we could celebrate it, but having good communication and Mm -hmm. practices because those feelings do come up for people. You could be in a long term romantic relationship and then all of a sudden, a new person walk into your life that sparked your interest. Having their, their relationship that you could talk about those feelings, I think, is important. Rather, you choose to, to exercise them or, or live it out is up to the individual and whatever makes how the couple defines commitment and success. Um, so personally, I, I'd, I'd rather not subscribe to anything hardcore like for their entire life because you just don't know what comes up. Um, the only thing that I do think is very important is 
you know, we strive for win-win, and if it's not, then there's no deal. That's one relationship, to me, it should end. But, you know, it could change, right? And adapting to change is important because nothing really stays that constant. So, so, but jealousy, yeah, if it comes up, we talk about it. And, you know, sometime, not, yeah. but it's not a negative feeling like I shouldn't feel this way because we do feel jealous at times. Very cool. Well, very healthy. This is very, yes. I feel like a lot of people would get a lot of peace yes. if they understood this more. Mm-hmm. All right, we are going to dive deeper into our reason of the week in our reason of the week breakdown. <laughs> Kenneth plays a sex coach, but there is a lot of lingo when it comes to sex and the body. We are going to test Kenneth's knowledge for synonyms in a game we call Clitinum. We are going to say a word, and you have to tell us if it's the name of a movie or a synonym for clitoris, according to the Urban Thesaurus. Are you ready? Okay. All right. The first one is Mr. Bean. Is that a movie or is that a synonym for clitoris? Both. Isn't there There's a movie called Mr. Bean? I haven't. It was not. I'm going to do a... There is a movie, Little Bean. No, that was like a Mr. half Bean. one. Mr. Mr. Bean. Sorry, there yeah. is a movie, Little Mr. Bean. <laughs> but it was, Mr. Bean was not listed as a synonym in the Urban Thesaurus. So I guess you could call your clitoris Mr. You Bean. You could call your clitoris you whatever you to. want. Yeah. But where, for the purpose of the game. I mean, I would say none of these are like textbook definitions. Yeah. For the purpose gotcha. of the game. We're only doing it if it was in the Urban Thesaurus <laughs> or not, okay? Okay. It would be very easy to win otherwise. Um, okay, next. Little Buddha. I never heard of that one. Little Buddha. No. Uh, I, I could Is see Is it a movie, mo- movie or clitoris? Movie. Correct. Yeah. It is a movie from 1993 starring Keanu Reeves. Yes. All right. Next up, Magic Button. Movie or clitoris? Clitoris. Yes, Good. that is a clitoris. Nature's Rubik's Cube, clitoris or movie? Clitoris? Hell yeah, because it's so goddamn confusing. <laughs> Very fun name for just clitoris. Like a, just like a Rubik's Cube. Uh, all right, next up, Little Man in the Boat. Definitely clit. <laughs> I love that you were like, definitely clit, because like, once I once I heard the phrase "little man in the boat," I was like, "Oh, it is a little man in a boat." That makes. <laughs> but so. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, and now I can't unthink it. Exactly. Um, sea biscuit, clitoris or movie? Movie. Yes. <laughs> the comeback. <laughs> uh, Devil's doorbell, movie or clitoris? I would like to be clitoris. Is that your final yes. answer? Yeah. It is a clitoris. <laughs> um, Pete's Dragon. Movie. Clitor- uh, yes, yes, correct. From 1997. 1977, excuse yes. me. Pink Hotel. Movie or clitoris? Movie. I think I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what movie is that? <laughs> it might have been a porno. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, maybe a porno. Um, all right, last one. Yeah. You're... You're, I think you're, I don't know how many we have. You only had two wrong, all the rest correct. You're doing pretty good. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven correct. So let's see if we can make it eight. Okay, uh-huh. finally. Where the sidewalk ends. Clitoris or movie? Movie. I'm going to give it to you because it's a both. trick question. It's both. It's both. Yes. It was a 1950s movie directed by Otto Preminger, <laughs> but also where the sidewalk ends is a synonym yeah. for clitoris. Yeah. Great job. Thank you. You, you won. A plus, I would say. Maybe A minus, actually. Maybe you can incorporate some of these phrases into into your sessions now. I gotta yeah. call it the pink Airbnb. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I love that. Because we're millennials here. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Uh, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason of the week. That is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Kenneth Play. Check out all of his stuff, his videos, what he's up to by going to kennethplay.com. You can also follow him on Twitter and Insta at Kenneth Play. Any other plugs we should tell people about? Uh, follow me on Pornhub. 
see my explicit video because <laughs> I can't play it anywhere else. And Pornhub is surprisingly, uh, uh, they have a whole sex education department, so I love their, their work. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can also check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook is available on Audible. And you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors, including Adam and Eve, if this episode made you inclined towards that. Um, for a full list of our sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page at thisiswhyoursingleshow.com. We're also on social, so you can follow us at Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. You can also follow me. I'm at Laura Lane Rad on Instagram and at Laura Lane on Twitter. And I am at Sparadactyl on everything, like the dinosaur, only my last name. Please like and subscribe on iTunes as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba 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 ba. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>